0: Welcome back to the Fitness in Your Mouth podcast. I'm Coach DJ. Uh, you may also be watching this on my YouTube this is going to be my first solo long form content, which hopefully will not be an issue. Uh, I, I don't have a problem talking a lot, but this one is something that I am very passionate about. So I did want to make sure that I could speak on this freely and unadulterated. So this one is going to also be my first long piece content for females. I primarily target male demographics with some of the topics that I speak on. so. Today, I wanted to go over uh, testosterone replacement therapy and testosterone levels in general for females. I feel like we are seeing a rapid increase in testosterone replacement therapy among female demographics, which is great, Um, but I do see it being sometimes either sourced in a dangerous way or being given out by physicians that may not specialize or have a real thorough understanding of endocrinology or sex hormones. So starting out, the, the first thing that I want to reiterate is women need testosterone. I feel like previous to this and before biohacking became you know, somewhat of a trend and we started seeing um, thousands of HRT clinics popping up everywhere and the rise in telehealth, it was largely thought that estradiol, estrogen, that was something that was really only associated with females and testosterone is always thought of to be a male sex hormone. Um, but women have testosterone too, just we are not producing near the amount of males. And what's optimal for us is definitely going to be different than our male counterparts. Um, I think there's also a lot of confusion on how testosterone is produced. Um, women are actually going to produce 25% upwards of 50% of endogenous testosterone via the adrenals, not just ovaries. This was something that, um, was I wanted to point out because I'd got a comment a couple of days ago where a man said, Well, postmenopausal women are the worst. They have no testosterone and that's why they don't want sex. And he went on a huge rant about why women didn't want sex. And I said, no, just because a woman doesn't want sex with you doesn't mean that it's always going to be testosterone. So I think it's really important that we understand basically the function of testosterone in our bodies, especially if we're going to potentially look at mitigating it and manipulating it or even adding in endogenous hormones. So uh, testosterone Really does influence a lot of things in our body. Uh, bone health is going to be one of the big things. It can help reduce the chances of osteoporosis risk. Obviously, it's going to impact, you know, muscle mass and strength. It can also influence body fat distribution. Um, This is a big thing with our sex hormones that we like to look at, of course, largely associated with libido and sexual function, which we will dive into a little bit further here in a minute. Um, Of course, reproductive health is going to be one, but also mental health and cognitive function. Um, It's it's amazing what can happen when you give a woman um, appropriate testosterone levels that has been, you know, definitely out of range or out of optimal ranges for a long period of time. It has a huge impact on their day-to-day operations and function as well as performance inside the gym. And of course, we look at some of the androgenic aspects which we typically pay closer attention to when we are introducing either an exogenous form of testosterone or someone in like someone with PCOS essentially. Um, Now, that being said, we we understand testosterone is important for our function. Then we start looking into serum levels. Uh, When we look at reference ranges alone on lab work, especially if we're looking at total testosterone for women, these ranges are not necessarily an industry standard. These are actually created by the labs that you are getting your blood work done. at, So they're going to be different and going off of the reference range alone is not going to tell you the full picture. Um, I know a lot of women that maybe have some type of sexual dysfunction or low energy, and they immediately think it's going to be lack of testosterone when in reality, it can be a lot of other hormonal issues or just poor lifestyle choices in general, if you a bad diet and you don't get enough sleep, you're going to feel like ass and it doesn't matter if you are hyped up on testosterone or not. Um, so this is where we begin is with lab work. We want to see where your numbers are actually falling. And before I even get into the numbers, I want to preface, uh, this whole conversation with testosterone replacement therapy is a really, really big decision and not all women need TRT. Unlike our male counterparts, we can significantly increase our testosterone naturally without having to turn to testosterone replacement therapy. So when we look at reference ranges, um, they're gonna range anywhere from maybe eight nanograms per deciliter for total testosterone upwards of you know 45 to maybe 55, depending on the lab that you are utilizing. I naturally have seven nanograms per deciliter. That's my baseline. And outside of trying to improve the amount of muscle that my frame can carry and retain, that was fine for me. I had no libido issues, no energy issues, and outside of performance enhancement purposes, that's not something that I ever needed to or really should have gone to correct. Again, because of my my fitness journey and competition, I did want to optimize those levels. So, uh, but outside of that, you know, if I were coaching myself, that's not something that I necessarily would have implemented if I didn't have those performance and muscle goals. So outside of Performance goals, I typically like to see a female's testosterone range, if we're talking about optimizing it and ideal levels, anywhere from maybe 20 to 50 nanograms per deciliter, assuming they are not symptomatic of low testosterone in any capacity. Now, when we are trying to prioritize muscle retention or development or improve the baseline environment for competition purposes, I like to see this much higher. We can go anywhere from 50 upwards of 100 nanograms per deciliter. Uh, whether we are achieving that naturally or through uh, exogenous introduction so uh, my more muscular athletes we may push that threshold a little bit we'll stay anywhere from maybe 80 to 100 uh, but everyone else I'd really like to see maybe 50 to 70 if you are in that fitness realm and really prioritizing muscle that's a huge range. Essentially, we're looking at anywhere from 20 to 100. When you go over 100 nanograms per deciliter, you are increasing your risk for virilization. Virilization is basically the masculinizing effects from testosterone or from androgen exposure. This can be anything from thickening of the vocal cords, which results in a much deeper hoarse voice that that breaks when you are loud. Um, It can be increased body hair, facial hair. It can lead to androgenic alopecia where you may experience male pattern baldness. It can even just be with, you know, increased DHT production where you end up with oilier skin, increased sebum production, and maybe some cystic acne. Um, It can even be clitoral growth. You may see your clitoris become very enlarged with chronic exposure. Now, the important thing to realize is that with testosterone being a one-to-one androgenic to anabolic ratio, um, when you really use that as a leverage for performance enhancement, or you push those boundaries as a female, you may not see the results of that right away. Whereas if you go and run a strictly performance enhanced based cycle, like taking, you know, a larger amount of prima or something like that, virilization symptoms you will you will notice quickly. Um, it's not going to be something that sneaks up on you. Whereas with TRT, it can absolutely sneak up on you. Um, and even if you are using natural means to increase your testosterone, if you are really pushing those those levels, um, the virilization risk is going to increase, and you may not notice it right away. When we see women that are pushing the threshold, and I literally just got lab work last week from somebody whose physician had them on a specific protocol, and they were 450 nanograms per deciliter. I was horrified. Um, But even, even if we're pushing to an extreme like that, you are going to feel like Superman when you start out. You're going to feel great. And then you're gonna hear someone like me saying, like, no, it needs to be way lower than that. Drastically reduce your dose. And you're not going to want to because you're gonna feel great. But if you listened in on my podcast with Dr. Jamie Gillum, who was overdosed on testosterone and reached out to me, we helped get her dosage protocol under control. She did. She felt amazing that first year. And then we've reached about a year and a half, two years. And then she started feeling sluggish and those symptoms of low testosterone that she felt before had returned. She couldn't budge on the scale. She wasn't able to lose weight anymore. She looked back at old videos and photos of herself. She definitely had virilized. Her voice had changed drastically and her facial structure had started changing. She Her jaw was a lot sharper and more masculine. And she's very open about this journey. Um, again, that's Dr. Jamie Gillum. You can find her on the Heal Your Body podcast um i think i i'll put a link to that below on this if this is on my youtube that you're watching but it it it's great until it's not basically and when you keep elevated androgens in your body for an extended period of time yes duration is a huge factor in virilization but keep in mind you're essentially recreating a pcos environment so then your fat distribution starts changing and outside of the masculinizing effects you may experience and ins- uh, increased insulin resistance as a result of those high testosterone levels and of course there's other risk factors that may apply because males are not the only ones that are going to aromatize um, this may end up increasing estrogen in the body as well then you have to start looking at cancer risks so there's a lot of factors that go into pushing into super physiological ranges which is not recommended you really just want to use your testosterone to optimize the baseline so again essentially we're shooting anywhere from 20 to 100 nanograms per deciliter Then we have to make the decision. Let's say you're on the low side and you're symptomatic of it. You need to look at your other hormones as well. A lot of women come to me complaining about libido. Having increased testosterone is not going to make your husband suck any less. If he's a dick and you are not attracted to him, hyping up your own testosterone levels is not going to fix that. Then we also look at other hormonal issues, maybe estrogen dominance as a result of reduced progesterone. Progesterone typically declines in females as soon as they're late 20s. With that reduction in progesterone, that can have a huge impact on your sleep quality, which again can be mistaken for being lethargic due to low testosterone, and it can also lead to vaginal dryness. So the inability to become properly lubricated for sexual intercourse can also be mistaken as an actual libido issue. So it's important to look at all of your baseline hormones i typically recommend women are looking at lh fsh estradiol progesterone total testosterone shbg especially if you are on a combined oral contraceptive or you have recently been on one um, and free testosterone and that's that's literally just a baseline those are the basics and if you find yourself low in testosterone and you feel it needs to be increased, and you are symptomatic of it, and your biofeedback indicates you'd be a good candidate, then comes the decision-making process as if it's something you want to address and how you will go about doing it. A lot of women think that they have to use testosterone replacement therapy. A lot of doctors won't pull these labs. They won't touch them. So what are you left to do? You typically go through a wellness clinic or a TRT clinic, as thankful as I am that these exist and as thankful as I am for my partner clinics who I recommend and I personally use, you have to remember these are businesses and they are in the business of selling testosterone. So if you are low in testosterone and your biofeedback indicates that you're a candidate, they will offer that to you, but not everybody wants that type of a commitment or will truly be a candidate. If you are young, if you don't like injections if you still have potential fertility needs if there's any chance that you may want more children i don't recommend messing with hrt especially testosterone replacement therapy and I, I know some women, they might be 26 and happily married. They have one kid they're not having more, But you know what? 26 is young. And if you were to get remarried in the next three years and something went south, would you want another child with your new husband? Like age should be a factor. Uh, and that part of that feeds into lifestyle choices and changes that may occur that you just aren't aware of. The first thing I always recommend is. Adjust your lifestyle if you're low in testosterone, implement basic supplements like magnesium and omega fatty acids, start strength training, eat a high protein diet. Outside of that, then you can start looking at other supplements, but it is a big decision to take exogenous hormones. I have witnessed physicians incorrectly describe how exogenous testosterone affects the body as a way to encourage women to get on TRT. Getting on testosterone does not help your body produce more. It is suppressive. Your body will stop producing its own testosterone. And the HPO axis is very unique to the individual. Sometimes we have full recovery after exposure. Everything goes back to normal, maybe even better. Others don't ever recover to the same levels that they were. We're no different than our male counterparts in terms of the potential for suppression. So... I I don't recommend TRT unless you are ready to make it a lifelong commitment. And not only that, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel better on testosterone. That's not a secret. But if you feel good on something and you're taking it, and maybe your levels were okay, but they were just suboptimal before, you're not going to want to come off. So even if you don't experience suppression and things go back to normal, who wants to go back to feeling worse? So I always consider it a lifelong commitment. It's suppressing your natural production because you're introducing an outside source of testosterone and it does need to be continued. But realistically, any method you're using of increasing testosterone should be considered a lifelong commitment. Let's say You know, you want more kids or you're young or you're not ready to introduce exogenous hormones. And keep in mind, the introduction of exogenous hormones to your body makes you enhanced TRT, unless you are zeroed out and you have like a medical history of a lot of endocrine dysfunction, you will not get a waiver for that. HRT is considered enhanced. You will lose your natural status as an athlete. And I'm not just talking bodybuilding. If you're a CrossFitter, a runner, if you race BMX, any of those things, anything that falls under the world anti-doping agency, which is a lot of freaking sports. So if you say you're not ready to make that decision, or you want to try and increase it naturally to begin with, which is what I always recommend is I always recommend trying to boost it naturally first. If you take that course of action, it's still a lifelong commitment because you may take your supplements that help your body produce more, but at the same time, when you stop those supplements, you're going to go right back to normal. So again, it is considered a lifelong commitment, or at least maybe as long as you are pursuing maybe specific fitness goals. Um, There are some advantages of testosterone replacement therapy over the natural methods, And the biggest thing is that you get stability once you dial in your dosage and you have stable blood serum levels and target ranges, you stay there. And ideally, you'll take uh, they come in different esters, but you'll take your formula maybe once, two times per week, and you will have that stabilization and you can just stay there. There's not going to be a lot of fluctuations. You won't experience the natural ups and downs that you would if your body is producing it endogenously. Now, when we look at natural methodology, a lot of women utilize DHEA. This is incredibly effective. So effective that I experienced virilizing symptoms on DHEA at a very, very low dose. Luckily in my career field, I was able to identify, get off of that, and all of the effects were reversible because they had just started popping up. And of course I was monitoring my, my blood work, but DHEA, if used in excess of 50 milligrams, is considered an enhancement that's a very important thing to understand dhea in females can push you into super physiological levels dhea is also going to act as a precursor, which may result in increased estradiol. Uh, We end up seeing this a lot. I've seen athletes that, yeah, we got their test up to maybe 75 nanograms per deciliter, but then estradiol went through the chart. So you may have to work on estrogen metabolism simultaneously if using DHEA. Again, you need lab work for this. You can't just rely on how much weight you're carrying or if you have a lower belly pooch or something like that. You, You need labs for this. Um, secondary to that, we, we can use things like boron, um, and many women, you know, even just three to six milligrams per day. Although we typically use this in males to increase free testosterone, women especially see an increase in total testosterone levels as well as free testosterone. So there are very effective natural supplements to raise your testosterone levels into more target or more, uh, optimal ranges, But it is a big decision on whether you want to go natural or you want to go to TRT. And what I tell people is, you know, you can always get on testosterone replacement therapy at some point, but going backwards is a little bit more difficult. So once you go through the candidacy profile and you've made those decisions, that brings us to actual dosage. Oh, and not only dosage, but uh, I guess administration method as well. We'll start with administration method. Obviously, I don't have notes for this, so I'm just going, so bear with me. Um, I know it is so tempting to go with a cream or a gel or maybe even a pellet because nobody wants to stab themselves every week. You don't want to be a human pincushion. cushion. I, I, I see how that could not be appealing, and some people really have uh, aversions to needles. But in terms of aesthetics, you know, it's still... Going to be uncomfortable to have the pellets put in, and it does leave a scar as well. The issue with the pellets is that you are constantly fluctuating. You insert your pellet, and it's going to climb, 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 climb. You're going to reach peak serum levels, and you're going to feel awesome. Problem with those peak serum levels is they can help you get anywhere from 250 to 350 nanograms per deciliter, which is male testosterone uh, territory. Then after you reach that peak, it's going to go down, 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 plummet, and it's time for a new pellet. So you never have any consistency with the use of pellets, and the levels are typically getting you too high. I do not recommend pellet therapy. Second to that, we see topical administration, which is going to have very poor bioavailability. Um, I'm not a fan of necessarily topical or oral administration, just because it is so difficult to keep stable blood serum levels. And the stability is not only important for your overall health, but of course it's going to affect how you are converting because testosterone doesn't just come into your body and hang out. It does a lot of different things. There's conversions that occur. Uh, so that's one thing to keep in mind, but it's uh, it's always going to be fluctuating. You don't get any of that stability that you would with a shot. Um, and with the injections, this is where we typically start seeing the over-prescription occurring. Most TRT clinics are going to start out women at 10 milligrams per week, which if you don't know a lot about this, this topic, that actually sounds feasible. That might even sound like a very small amount considering males take anywhere from 150 to 250 milligrams for testosterone replacement therapy. Uh, But 10 milligrams is typically not well tolerated by females. I'd say maybe one out of every 25 women I work with could handle 10 milligrams of TRT. And that's because they are poor responders. Um, And I've even actually seen testosterone being prescribed in haphazard ways like 100 milligrams every two weeks, I've seen upwards of 25 milligrams a week. And keep in mind, you might feel great at 25 milligrams a week, but that is the maintenance dose of many of my trans male clients. So unless your goal is to transition to a male, I would not recommend, you know, starting out at 10 nanograms per deciliter, or sorry, 10 milligrams a week or higher. It's going to get you past that. Sorry. Hang on, my old Death dog I gotta I gotta get her over here. She doesn't know I'm over here. Old dogs are the best. <laughs> she uh when she wants attention, she wants attention. So Anyways, so I don't recommend starting out at 10 milligrams a week, and typically most women really find their sweet spot uh, between three and six milligrams. Five is where I recommend starting out, unless you know already that you have a predisposition to hyper-respond like myself, or maybe you are very sensitive to certain compounds, or even just very petite, you would start at three milligrams per week. After this, you would go and have updated lab work drawn at approximately eight to 12 weeks after you begin the injections you <laughs> And again, I know injecting really sucks, but that one woman came to me, she's being given a hundred milligrams, basically once a month. That's ridiculous. You do want at the very minimum once weekly injections for stability. Um, it's going to prevent a lot of the negative side effects that you can see with fluctuating hormones and, and acne management. You really do want that stability. But the nice thing is our doses are so small. You can use a tiny little insulin needle like in your del- And if you don't mind a little bit more frequent administration, you can even do subcutaneous. You don't even have to go into the muscle. We really have it easy in terms of testosterone replacement therapy as females. So you do want to go with an injectable. And that doesn't mean raid your husband's closet stash either. Um, Again, we really need to work with precision. It's a very small amount of liquid and a very low milligram that we're taking. So utilizing your husband's 200, 250 milligram per ml formula is going to be like giving you a 25 milligram pill and telling you you need to take five milligrams. You're not gonna cut that into fifths uh, effectively. So when we talk about female formulas, it's no different than a male. Testosterone's testosterone, an anthate's an anthate, that doesn't matter. What we're looking at is how many milligrams per ml. So it affects your your volume that you're injecting. Uh, For females, we typically look for a 20 25 or 100 milligram per ml formula. I do not recommend exceeding this. Um, That's going to be very difficult to dose out. Again, assuming you are staying under 10 milligrams per week. And again, the importance of starting low is that you always have the option to titrate up, but you can't reverse it you can always inject a little more, but you're not going to ungrow a micropenis or a beard. And yes, those things are all possibilities if you start really pushing the boundaries. So if you have decided that you are indeed a candidate for some type of TRT or testosterone optimization protocol, the biggest thing I recommend outside of getting regular lab work is going to be consistency and a vocal pitch analyzer app. Those are the two big things. Consistency is very important because if you are haphazardly taking your medication, if you're not adhering to an injection schedule, uh, the levels that you are looking at on your labs are not going to be very accurate. When you draw your labs, again, recommend it. Don't ever exceed 100 nanograms per deciliter. For males, I really try and get a mid-draw so we have an accurate idea of their approximate levels, uh, what they're hanging out at between injections. Whereas for females, I really want to see your peak serum levels. Again, we, we are wanting to mitigate uh, any potential side effects and virilization, assuming that that's a concern. And I always have to say this, If you do not mind virilization, if you are doing this for more performance enhancement and that is not an issue to you or you are transitioning or you're androgynous or whatever the case may be, um, this is only applies to you if virilization is a concern because that is a personal choice, but you don't want to exceed 100 nanograms per deciliter. So I recommend going in and having your labs drawn anywhere from like 24 to 36 hours post injection so you can see it at a higher point. And with these labs, we still want to be monitoring your other hormones as well. And keep in mind, when you go to these clinics, they're almost always going to offer you a full HRT protocol you can make the decision to only utilize testosterone. It doesn't have to be other exogenous hormones as well. And uh, combined oral contraceptives, hormonal birth controls, those are all going to play a role in some of your labs. So when you are taking one of those compounds and you are working with a provider or a coach, Be sure you tell them you are on birth control. I even have a spot on my intake forms where it asks what medications, supplements, et cetera, people are on. And I would say most women do not include that they are on a birth control. Then I get their first set of labs back and we have suppressed everything. And then SHBG is through the roof. And I'm like, well, we're on birth control. And someone didn't tell me. And Sure enough, I I reach out and that's usually what, what has occurred. Um, and that being said, this is probably going to be an entire other video. And maybe I'll do a follow-up with this one. But uh, birth control is largely demonized in the fitness community. And it sucks. It's it's horrible for your hormones. It really is. I'm mean, I'm not going to disagree. But if we are comparing and contrasting and looking at, at risk mitigation, what would be more detrimental in your life? An unplanned pregnancy? or having less than optimal hormones while you work out. Most women are going to opt for an unplanned pregnancy, unless your doctor or your coach is making safe sex practice decisions for you, then it is your body and your decision. Now, there may be more optimal ways to uh counter, you know, there may be other methods that you may utilize instead of maybe a, a combined oral contraceptive. There, there's a lot of methods out there, but it doesn't mean that you don't need birth control because a coach says that it's impacting your gains. There are much bigger picture items to take into consideration. So anyways, I hit the 30 minute mark of talking nonstop. That's freaking ridiculous that I can do that. I hope I didn't ramble too much because I didn't have a, a script or notes or anyone to help balance me out other than my dog barking at me, but thank you very much. If this, if this helped you, uh, please, please let me know if you know any other women that may be in need of this advice or are considering TRT or potentially overdosed, please feel free to share this with them. I'm hoping that in putting this content out there, this will help with harm reduction in some capacity. Um, I'm coach DJ with the fitness in your mouth podcast. You can find me on YouTube at coach DJ vanilla face, Instagram coach DJ vanilla face. As well as Discord, and I think that's all—all all my handles. Oh, and TikTok, Coach DJ Vanilla Face. Thank you so much.